Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamic. Berto Will is your host on a very, 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 very sad day. Uh, but I, you know, in as much as it is a sad day, uh, because we had a bomb that went off in Afghanistan and killed twelve of our twelve of our soldiers, it also killed quite a few uh, Afghans. So uh, it's a sad day. But you know what's interesting? And as much as many of us hadn't said this for some time, uh, we were very surprised, very surprised that this, that this did not happen before. Uh, the, the, the pact, the negotiations that occurred with the Taliban uh, seemed to have paid off for the most part, which a lot of 104 or more thousand people, mostly Afghans, to leave Af- Afghanistan. So, um, s- but it is sad that 12 people had to lose their lives today. 12 military folks and, and scores of Afghans. Now that said, it's a war that should not have been there. It's a war that has killed hundreds of thousands of people in the area. And yes, it is good that we are getting out. We must get out. Irrespective of what everybody says, we need to have the sane people, sane, not same, sane people on the media explaining the way things should be. Anyhow, what's on the show today? Today, more reasons to leave Afghanistan. Now? Yes. Capitalism meet COVID. We're going to try again for Ken Rusk on blue-collar work. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's get busy. We'll go ahead and say welcome aboard, uh, Deborah John. Great to see you. Welcome aboard, Rose William. Welcome aboard, AVQ, a.k.a. Michael Rudnan. Uh, is anybody else that wants to get a shout-out real quickly? L- let me know. I'll give you a shout-out before I start reading. Anyhow. Egberto, I have from Macaron. Egberto, I have too many, a uh, few too many comments to share today. Got caught in the heat outside. Feels like a hundred degrees outside. Couldn't decide which post to cut. Anyhow, pain compliance. Graphic video shows Louisiana trooper beating a black man. I saw that one. I'm going to leave that one alone for now. Uh, Michael Rodden also body camera footage shows 2019 beating of the black man. Um, yes, yes. Thank you, for Michael Rodden, for putting that out. Today, I'm going to leave that one alone, but it's sad. I saw it as well, sir. Thank you for putting that out. Hospital filled with COVID-19 patients was forced to turn away. Someone needed emergency cancer treatment. Doctor says, this is what happens when people stop taking precautions, don't vaccinate, and we fail to achieve herd immunity. We just didn't have a bed. There are simply no room in the hospital to treat the patient, said Dr. Nitesh Buryani. The medical director of Tampa Oncology and Proton Delta is just ripping through the hospital in ways that we couldn't have imagined, and the strain is causing on the healthcare system. I don't. In reading this, Michael Renan, something just happened to me. I mean, I almost just got teared up. Not, not, not out of desperation, but out of frustration. Because if you go and turn to Fox News, you hear all these people talking about how Biden should have done this, how Biden... These guys have screwed the country up 
from a January 6th insurrection to lying to their people, to allowing people to do things to harm themselves. And then they turn around and we try to fix it. And then there's resistance to fix it. From Afghanistan all the way back, just screw-ups and screw-ups that is constantly done by Republicans and neoliberals. And then we try to fix and then we try to fix. But we fix. Our most important thing right now, my brothers and sisters, is this. To be informed. To be informed so that we can make the right choices at the ballot box. To be informed so that we can make the right... Because this is not going to end tomorrow or the day after. This is going to end when we really start putting folks that care more about you in office than just need to use you to get a vote to protect a few. And I wish I could come across a lot more effectively, and I will try to learn to come across more effectively to try to encourage more of us to do what we need to do to really prevent the self-destruction of the United States of America and, for that matter, the rest of the world. Judge pushes back on protections for the Sacklers in the Purdue form of bankruptcy. Are we actually going to see proper justice come for the wealthy and the powerful? That would be a welcome change. A bankruptcy judge said the plan is too easy on the Sacklers. I am not giving them that release. It's not going to happen. You are not going to persuade me on this, said Judge Robert Drain. I hadn't read this one, Michael Rudden. Thanks for bringing that to our attention. Uh, shouting at one point that the plan sh- would have to be rewritten with narrower releases from reliability. I've loved that. Michael Renner also puts out judge sanctions pro-Trump Creighton lawyers for debasing courts with bogus election lawsuit. Voter fraud is a myth designed as a cover for different and voter suppression to restrict voting access to groups which tend to vote against you. So how long until people understand that Republicans have abandoned the idea that democracy is good. This lawsuit represents a historic and profound abuse. The only problem that I see with this lawsuit, I, I, I read about this, is that the people penalized are a few lawyers. We need to get the people behind those lawyers penalized as well. In other words, they are complicit. The funders of those lawyers are complicit. We have to find a way to get them and hold them accountable. The House has passed a bill to restore the Voting Rights Act. Every single Republican voted against it. Every single Democrat voted for it. Robert Wright says today it's, it's democracy versus authoritarianism, voting rights versus white supremacy. There's no reason, reasonable center between these two positions. No justifiable compromise. Equating them is misleadingly dangerous. Democracy for sale analysis ties corporate consolidation to increased lobbying. When money buys power and policy, that's not democracy. That's oligarchy, plutocracy. That's what we're fighting against exactly. The report emphasizes that the bigger companies get more powerful, the the, the more powerful they become. A large majority of Americans distrust concentrated economic power and criticism of the world's largest companies is a regular part of discourse within America's political parties and around the world. Guys can finish that out. Uh, The Supreme Court gave Trump leeway on executive actions. Biden wants the same treatment. Well, I have to do some more research on that because this last law that we are all complaining about, apparently the Supreme Court did the same thing to Donald Trump. I have to do more research before I read up on this one here, um, uh, Michael Rudnan. So let's hold on that one for now because 
there were a lot of victories that you remember we got during the Trump administration. And I want to compare those before I just wholeheartedly. Now, the Supreme Court, don't get me wrong. It's a conservative Supreme Court. It's a Supreme Court that I think will ultimately vote in the fascist direction. Now, this particular issue with the immigration change, I I need to make a comparison with that, with uh, uh, with how they sustain Obama's ruling against Donald Trump. I'm not sure. And remember what I promise every one of you, that I'm not just shooting from the hip. I want to give you well-thought-out commentary, not just shooting from the hip. Deborah John, 12 military dead, 100 injured, hundreds of Afghanis killed. Yeah. Okay, let's continue. Content creators are the driving force behind tech platforms such as Twitch and the like. They generate copious amount of content. Set trends, exactly. All right. Michael Rennan, neoliberals and right-wingers, was the $2 trillion you blew worth it? Was it worth it anything against? Egberto, mind putting this screen up? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to put that up, Michael Rennan. I think it's an excellent screen. Uh, there you go. There you go. Um, and that is what we've spoken about, where all that money went to. And uh, I... I, I want to take a, a quick little soliloquy here. Understand that everybody understands that we're leaving Afghanistan. They're, they'd love for us to get in. They'd love a bomb or something to force uh, Biden to go back in. Biden is not going to fall for that. Biden is not going back into Afghanistan. However, they want to make it difficult on Biden. They want to drop Biden's poll numbers. They want to make Biden feel so badly about leaving Afghanistan because they they cannot have this happen in the other areas where the military industrial complex is investing is get is making a whole lot of money from having us in other in other theaters around the uh, around the world. So understand what is happening right now. We know that Afghanistan is gone. But the reason why the plutocracy and all their peons are making it so difficult. Why they're all attacking Biden right now, including neoliberal Democrats. Why they're uh, they attacking Biden. is because they want to make sure the next time Biden thinks about shrinking the forces and bringing them back home. And going back to domestic policy where we invest in people, invest in infrastructure, invest in the things that matter. They want him to think twice. You're going to take a lot of flack, a lot of hell. That's why we have to have, it's not about us liking neoliberals, the, uh, a, somebody we once called a neoliberal. We have to play a strategic game. And we have to get, I was on a, uh, I was on a DFA call today, very important DFA call today. And I want you guys to know that we are going to be out there doing the job, but we also need you all. So please stay engaged. Please stay engaged. What about the doctor in Florida posting his social media pay, uh, paying $50 for not sending their students to school? Uh, r ridiculous. Michael Rudden and public citizen, don't be fooled. Endless war is a multi-trillion dollar business. You're a reminder that the Afghanistan war costs $300 million a day for the last 20 years. Without Trump's lawyers being complicit, Trump would have been in prison. Absolutely so. All right, um, I'm going to try to get to Paul Fleming checking in from ATL, E2247. Welcome aboard. Thank you guys all for being here. I'm going to try to get to our videos. But, but the first one I want to get to, the first video I want to get to, Carl Cox, military industrial complex supporters love only death, not life. Well, and they like money. And death, it brings them money. All right, the first one that I'm going to show you is, I called it 
the vaccine, the unvaccinated would fight and beat down government. Government is scared of the unvaccinated. They're scared to force them to vaccinate. But you know who isn't? And that shows the power centers in America, capitalism. I want you to listen to this piece that I just heard uh, on CNN. And, and you, you won't immediately see what I'm talking about. But I want to show you how we so defer to what we call the most efficient use of resources is the private sector capitalism. Government is begging people to go ahead and get vaccinated. But you know what? Capitalism just throws the money. And guess what? Check this out, and we'll take it on the other side. Well, I missed that one. I think it's supposed to be this one here. There we go. In Florida, the state just hit a new daily record for COVID cases. This sounds like kind of an obvious question, but just how bad is it there? Well, when you take a look at the state of Florida, the I think the number that says it most is that... Uh, Nationwide, one in five people who are dying hospitals are dying from COVID here in Florida. And so you get the sense of how bad it is. And we take a look at some numbers here. And as you look at the numbers, I think you'll get an idea. This is just Florida. Wednesday, 26,203 new cases, which was a daily record. To date, that's more than 3 million total cases. And again, getting back to the deaths. And even though medicine has moved beyond where it was at the beginning, where people who are accepted into a hospital almost certainly were dying. Now we see so many more people surviving. But even at that, the total deaths in the state, more than 42,000. So as we take a look at what government has been trying to do, requiring face masks, trying to encourage, or in many cases, government having employees have to get their vaccines, there is now a sort of a reflection of what happens in private industry. This is capitalism, the free market determining how things are going to go forward. You can see Delta Airlines over my shoulder. I'm here at the airport because Delta Airlines has now announced that its 74,000 employees will be enticed to go ahead and get the vaccine. So for those who choose not to, they will actually be assessed a fee, $200 a month. The CEO of America of uh, Delta Airlines saying that the cost for somebody to be hospitalized with coronavirus is about $50,000. And that is the sort of expense that the airline cannot absorb with its insurance. And so they will charge $200 a month. It may be that that $200 a month hitting somebody's wallet is enough to get people to get the vaccine or they'll just have to pay. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, is that a penalty? Uh, I actually spoke to a legal expert to say, is this a penalty or how would you describe it? This is what she had to say. It's a fee. So a financial penalty kind of is designed to punish something. Delta's explanation was you're imposing more costs of us on us. You should bear some of them. So they're basically saying, we're not punishing you, but if you're going to make us pay, we want you to pay part of the cost, a little bit like a deductible. So this is something akin, Chris, to the programs that exist at many companies across the country that if you're a smoker, if you're a smoker, you pay an additional fee in your insurance to cover the expected health-related events that happen because you're a smoker. Delta Airlines doing this, and we've already seen uh, Deloitte, uh, Disney, and other companies doing this. Again, 
not a government mandate here, not a company mandate, but something that is being encouraged here by the free market. Something that is encouraged by the free market. I don't even call it the free market capitalism, whatever you want to call it. But, but here's the, the, the sad thing about it. Folks, and I wrote about this in my book, uh, uh, How to Make America Utopia. And this is what drives me crazy. Think about this. Government knows how the virus is transmitted. We do. The scientists know all of that. Government has the wherewithal. We are the government. We the people. We the people. We can say, because of the way this drug, this stuff is transmitted, we are going to tell folks you have to wear a mask if you're going to be outside. And we're going to say that if, if you don't have a medical condition, you have to have a vaccination. And if you don't have a vaccination, then you have to be quarantined to stay away from people to ensure you're not going to infect anyone else. Government can do that. But no, we want it to be handled in the private sector. But the pri- So government, we the people can't save ourselves, but the private sector comes out and says, oh, this is hurting our bottom line too badly. So we are going to take it into our hands and we're going to penalize you $200 a month if you don't take it. And if that doesn't work, we will impose as the capitalist system the penalty on you. The mandate on you. I, th- I mean, this is a subtle thing here that I want folks to understand. How we have taken away the public good, away f- and and given it to those who run the private sector, the plutocracy. We could have saved hundreds of thousands of people if we had just done the right thing from we the people. But we the people were not allowed to tell we the people that everyone should wear a mask and those who were not would not be adversely affected get a, a, vac- a vaccine. We couldn't do that. But private sector can do as they please because it's going to affect their bottom line. I think it's sort of amazing how the system works. Anyway, we've been talking about Afghanistan and we have a lot of pundits out there and these pundits are given a hell a lot of misinf- not misinformation, but bad advice. And I want you to listen to what uh, our, our friend McCaffrey has to say, and then we'll take it. Or rather, not McCaffrey, this pundit. I want you to listen to this pundit, the bad advice from this pundit, and then we'll, go, we'll talk about it on the other side. First, let me make clear. The moral tragedy of our country leaving behind so many Afghans, Afghanis who supported our efforts over the past 20 years is nothing short of tragedy and it is a stain that we will both have to live with and try to recover from. With respect to the Taliban and their pledges of security, I I think it's, whether it's risable, it it should not be taken very seriously. Uh, I do think that the Taliban of today is different from two decades ago, but Do I think they will be enlightened? Do I think they will allow a civic society to prosper? Do I think that they will protect and honor individuals who served uh, in the Afghan National Forces and police? Absolutely not. I think those people are very much at risk. Uh, That does not answer the question of can we work with the Taliban in very narrow ways? And I hope the Taliban sees that as is a real need on their part 
because we will need them. The idea of over-the-horizon targeting happening completely from outside the Afghan borders to counter transnational threats like ISIS-K, that is far, far more difficult than people might believe. We have very able intelligence. We have able special forces. But doing that across thousands of miles in territory we do not control, we do need, as we have had in other parts of the world, some cooperation to defeat that threat. And the question is, will the Taliban do that? And will they not be so morally reprehensible uh, that they do um, do certain things against those people that we've left behind that make it completely impossible for us to at least have that limited relationship with them? You know, first of all, when, when, when he talks about it is immoral for us to leave, we should take all these people back. So how many more American soldiers are you willing to sacrifice for a war that should not have been and for people who have been in Afghanistan, those who decided to go to Afghanistan, understanding that one of the reasons, well, I'm, I'm not going to go there about pay, etc., but one of the reasons they're, they're there in a, in, in a difficult position. But let me tell you what gets to me the most. Uh, the, the hubris of this person to believe that, uh, do I believe in the, in, in the Taliban? No. Do I believe that these are good people? No, not particularly. Uh, but do I think that they, are, that they can change? Hell yes. Do I think that when they, ha when they have to govern, that they will have to do some sort of a moderation in order to govern? I mean, you have all these millions of people. If you don't want to go to the Stone Age or for the other people to just outright come and kill you, you have to change as well. And let's do a knock-knock. Knock-knock to the door here in America. Were you able to atone for what you have done? For what we have done? Think about, let's, let's look into a mirror and ask ourselves, should we be trusted for with dealing with so many issues? Uh, were we able to change? Were we able to go from a country that maimed and killed and murdered folk to one that now considers itself civilized? You know, we're, we're doing fine now, right? Or we are trying to do a, better. So if we could change, can others change as well? So let's be clear here. Now, when it comes to, uh, to General McCaffrey, I like what the general had to say. I want you to listen to this because he is making a lot of sense a lot of people want to go ahead. Let's open Bagram again because we need to fight. There's something happened. They blew, they bombed us, etc. Not looking at reality. Listen to General McCaffrey. McCaffrey, what do you make of the criticism that this likely would not have happened if the Bagram Air Force Base was still open? That that was a far more fortified environment with you know what I believe was multiple runways. Um, is that a fair criticism? Look, uh, the Biden administration chose to pull all 3,500 troops at the time out of uh, Afghanistan, triggering a cascade of events. That's behind us. I've heard several of the cognoscenti on TV talking, to include Congressman Kinziger, talking about recapturing Bagram. That would be the biggest airborne operation since World War II. It's not even remotely going to happen. It's off the table. 
Right now, we've got one brigade on one runway on the edge of Kabul. I've heard a lot of people talking about nightmare scenarios. If we stay against the uh, will of the Taliban on Wednesday morning, the nightmare scenario is light machine gun fire and a dozen mortar rounds closing down the air evacuation of our forces, at which point we got a real problem. So I think we need to ignore a lot. The poor president's got to ignore these voices, continue the, evac the extraction of, of the U.S. military on the ground, and then look at the consequences and deal with the, uh, the, the next step to include millions who will cross the frontiers into Iran, Pakistan, Tajikistan, and elsewhere. And we probably owe them a serious humanitarian effort in those countries. As we learn more about who was responsible or what group was responsible for today's attack, I mean, General, does the U.S. retaliate? What does that look like? We talked earlier in this hour about how uh, resources are limited, finite certainly in Afghanistan, and that makes weighing priorities even more of a complicated uh, decision-making process. You know, there have been a lot of discussions about Taliban 2.0, which makes me sort of laugh every time I hear about it. These are some of the most brutal chaotic uh, factions imaginable. Haqqani himself is a criminal more than he is a jihadist. Uh, there's very loose control over the Taliban elements that are out there, never mind the few hundred operatives of ISIS-K. We don't have good targets. Uh, we're not going to use air power in downtown Kabul or Tomahawk missiles. So basically, again, keep your eye on the, on the, on the, the challenge here. The challenge is complete the extraction of U.S. forces, and then deal with the consequences in a sensible way. And that is a sensible man. And that is what we should follow. And there's one other thing that he had to say on another segment and that, I, that, I, I, that I want you to see, because a lot of folks think, oh, we can somehow go back in. We can somehow make things better in Afghanistan. He has the final word. If you were, were in the Oval right now advising the president, what would be the advice that you would give, given the deaths of, of 12 service members, given uh, the, the intel that says there are continuing threats of suicide uh, bombers or vehicles being used in that way? What's the advice you would offer the president now in terms of how we move forward today and potentially in the days ahead? Well, one of the most important things General McKenzie said was uh, those troops are there to defend the evacuation in the airfield, not themselves. These are some hard soldiers and Marines, uh, and there's a lot of them on the ground. So I don't think that will be a factor going forward, certainly not in the chain of command. The problem is, right now, what is the likelihood of the continued evacuation getting Americans, many as 1,500 mostly all over Afghanistan, and their families to the airport and out. Pretty minimal. So it's time now to focus on a professional, logical extraction of the forces. And the president shouldn't listen to the voices telling him to ignore all this, stay on for an indeterminate period of time, re-enter with more forces. That's nonsense. This war is over. That is the point. This war should have been over 20 years ago when it started. This war is over. Thank you, uh, Brother Biden, for getting 
for for finishing this stuff off and getting to hell out of there. And let's use this as an example as our a second Vietnam that needn't had been. Let's remember that. Now, uh, let, let, let me go to the things real quickly. I see um, we, we hear uh, there's I really wanted, wanted to tackle. Why is the Biden department pre- present, preventing private flight transport people out of Afghanistan? It is such a silly question that uh, when you are getting rocket attacks, that you uh, go ahead, if you don't have complete control of the perimeter, that you are going to let private uh, aircraft land and carry people away under the risk of not of the air. And when they're blown out of the air, what are you same people who are saying, why don't you let those private planes come on in and take the people out? And when they're blown out of the air, you're going to say, why didn't you protect the planes? Because you can't protect planes that were not designed to have anti-aircraft or anti-support uh, s- for uh, anti-missiles coming out to it, etc. That's the reason why. It's not a lot. It's not. It doesn't take rocket science to figure that one out, my brothers and sisters. Okay, so CSAC, That's the reason why you want to stop the private things until you can feel secure that you can secure them by having decoys to protect them as they take off. If you don't have that, you can't do it. Punto y final. Yul Anderson, War Industrial Complex Friendships once again showing their corruptive head. Exactly. Wait, Taliban have surfaced the air missiles. Oh yes, that's not good. Exactly. That's why I'm saying what we have are the, the military planes. They are taking off uh, with with uh, they. I forgot what you call it. It's it's anti-fire kind of a thing that they leaves with. Mike Cisak, BS. It's not that they needed State Department diplomatic papers to leave Afghanistan. They refused to give them papers. And why they refused to give them papers? Because again, use your head, my brothers. Because it would be a risk, of course. It doesn't take two degrees of uh, two degree uh, rather degrees of indirection to figure that out, Mike Cisak. Come on now, I know I I know you're better than that. In in I know you're better than that. Rose says now that we've shown the world this 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 one I wanted to read very important. Now that we've shown the world how foolish, inept, and gullible we are when faced with a deadly disease, we definitely have handed bad actors a playbook to follow. I'm sure that Russia, North Korea, etc. are gleefully enjoying our COVID struggle right now. Terrorists are using bombs, etc. But it's a lot easier and less expensive to bring in a deadly virus. If searched, no one would find any weapons on them. But they sure could kill us because of who we are. It's that simple. It's that simple. Carl Cox, Trump is, is as more to blame for the Afghan disaster then. Look, Trump opened the gates. 5,000 uh, uh, Taliban were let out of jail. 5,000 Taliban. The leader of the Taliban went out of jail. Mike Pompeo standing up there signing deals with the guys. We're just completing a treaty. Anyhow, listen to um, the, the person that I had. This is very important. One, one last one. Daniel Lado. And what is the problem for people who accept the risk for saving lives? Uh, I don't even know if that makes sense. Taliban has occasionally brought down helicopters and rockets, propelled grenades, or small arms fire. They have never acquired the high-technology surface-to-air missile capabilities. Uh, let's see. Michael Stevenson says, where is, where is 
their army and president. I'm not sure what you're asking, sir, but let me know. But for now, let's go ahead and talk about blue collar. Uh, this is the, I was supposed to play this yesterday, and I didn't get a chance to do it. Let's go ahead and play this, and then we'll return. Welcome to Politics and Ryan McBerto Will is your host. Today we have a very special guest, Ken Rusk. Ken Rusk is a blue collar construction business engineer. Welcome to Politics and Ryan McBerto Will is your host. Today we have a very special guest, Ken Rusk. Ken Rusk is a blue collar construction business entrepreneur who has launched multiple successful endeavors over the last 30 years for the first years of his young working life. He dug ditches for a basement repair company. In, nor- in northern Ohio, over the years, he dug his way to a good life, one shovel of dirt at a time, hmm. and is now teaching others to do the same. Ken is the author of Blue Collar Cash, Love Your Work, Secure Your Future, and Find Happiness for Life. Welcome to Politics and Right. Ken, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, look, man, actually, just looking at the name of the book kind of says something. You, you have the, the color blue in there, and you have the word cash, and you have blue color. Those are, you notice I love blue. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I noticed oh, that. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> my favorite color, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and I, you know, people like green. But anyhow, let me ask you this. First of all, why did you write that book? I think it's, it's special in this time. It's very important. Why did you write the book? Well, you know, it, it started out as something that I've been doing. I've, I've been kind of, you know, when, when you hire a lot of people for a living, especially people that have their first, second or third jobs, and, you know, you end up doing almost becoming an involuntary life coach to them, which, which is great because you get to help them out with their, their first checking account, their first credit card, their first car, their first apartment, whatever, just kind of lead them through that initial process. And I've been doing it for a long period of time, working on visionary thinking and forward and and future and all that kind of stuff. And um, I started writing a letter to my daughter who actually got sick about 12 years ago. And um, she's, she's better now, but she had a pretty challenging time for a while. So I started writing a letter to her about what I thought was important in life based on what I learned from running this company. And um, it kind of turned into an 80,000 word manuscript over the next six or seven months. And um, people said, you know, with the experience you have in coaching and what you've done here, you should, you should put this out there beyond the walls of your company and see what happens. And uh, we got really, really lucky. We hit it, uh, hit it pretty big with that. So, well, let me tell you, first of all, what, what I love is that uh, you're one of the entrepreneurs that are really self-made. Once I heard that you shoveled dirt, you shoveled and did that sort of a work. It reminded me of my formative years here in the United States coming from Panama, where I swept floors, washed dishes, etc. before I formed a company. Uh, those are the entrepreneurs that I have a hell of a lot of respect for because, again, you know what it takes. You know what it took to get there. Now, um, right now, we have a tendency to push everybody to go to college. Not a bad thing, but... Tell us a little bit about that, it's not, uh, especially since, according to all statistics right now, the baby boomers are retiring and we're going to have a flood of opportunities that don't require a college degree, but require a hell of a lot of skills. Your point. Well, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. First off, I think part of the problem was in the 80s, we got rid of shop class where kids just 
you know, almost accidentally discovered things like, you know, welding and carpentry, plumbing, mechanics, you know, all those types of great, great trades. And um, if you combine that with, you know, kids are now, instead of going in the backyard and building a tree fort with lumber and hammer and nails, they're building them on their smartphones and they're not really getting that kind of earthy experience. So we're, we're having a whole generation of kids that are kind of missing that opportunity. And, and if you pair that with the fact that colleges are really good at marketing themselves to the point where they say, if you don't go to college, you may not be successful, which nothing is further from the truth. So you kind of have that perfect storm of you got to go here or else. And again, there's so much opportunity out there. And that type of thinking, that type of almost, uh, again, perfect storm will actually create opportunities for people like us who are willing to do something with their hands. Well, I mean, that is, that is so important. Now, um, you speak about uh, we are going to be spending a hell of a lot of money on infrastructure in the next several years. But one of the issues that we're going to have to be concerned about is who's going to be able to do all those jobs that need that that are going to need to get done. We have two things coming up. Baby boomers are taking off. Uh, we're having some immigration issues and we have a whole lot of unskilled people who uh, don't really know how to build roads and build bridges anymore. Well, you know, that's a that's an absolute fact. And that's why I called it a crisis in the book. Uh, I know for a fact that um, the average age of an electrician today is 55 years old. And for every five that are retiring, they're saying only one's coming online. I know that that's happening in plumbing and, and carpentry and welding and, and a lot of other places. So I'm really concerned about the fact that we have to start finding a way to s- turn the tide away from the stigma of working with your hands and, and, and really recognize it for what it is. I mean, if there's 167 million people working in this country every day, about 70 of those people do something with their hands. And uh, yet we're trying to put 100% of the kids through college which is really going to create an enormous load on supply and demand, but also an amazing opportunity if you're willing to get out there and do something. You know, you, you happen to be discussing this program on a political show. So I want to do a little something here. Um, we, we have an economic system here that has a tell folks that, you know, make your money work for you. And, in, and, and, and that kind of thinking doesn't realize that your money working for you really means that somebody else is working so that they can appreciate that money that you have. In other words, when, when, when your money is working for you, it's not really working for you. Somebody is doing the work. That's what it really means. And we've been teaching people to go to business schools, to go to all these schools that don't do anything. I have a special feeling for engineering. I'm an engineering by trade. And I figure we are, we are some of the folks that, that do things. The electrician, some of the folks that do things. How do we re- repackage America so that it pays the appropriate price for those who actually get things done? A stockbroker does nothing. A investment banker does nothing, in my humble opinion, that is. Because, again, all of them are dependent on you and the people that you have been given impetus to do the things that they do out there. Please elaborate on that. Well, you know, it's funny. Let's just take one quick example. And and this is going to kind of partially answer your question. I was up in northern Michigan the other day and I saw I was driving to the golf course. That's my that's my favorite passion is to play golf. So I'm driving to the golf course and I passed 
three fast food signs. One said $13 an hour. Right down the road, the other one said $14 an hour. And the one right down the road from there said $18 an hour. And every one of them had this almost begging sign in front of them, please come work for us. So I guess, I guess it's starting to happen. Supply and demand is starting to work because you have people in finished carpentry in Toledo, Ohio, that are making as much as family doctors and lawyers. So I actually think that that's starting to happen. And when this infrastructure bill passes, there's going to be even more load or demand upon the labor side, which means if you're someone who's willing to pick up a shovel or a torch or a wrench or a hammer or anything, you're going to be able to really job six ways from Sunday to find yourself that really great job. And um, it's great because any more, you know, this used to be the norm. You, you get there on time, you look someone in the eye, you shake their hand firmly, and you're willing to work. That used to be kind of the norm. Now it's so rare that you're just going to vault right to the top. So I don't think there's ever been a better time to get into the blue collar trades. No, Ken, and I, I, I genuinely, genuinely do not know the answer to this. Um, you just mentioned supply and demand. Uh, there has always been a supply and demand issue for many of these jobs. I mean, if you take a look for a long time, uh, fast food workers have always been a rotating door. There's always been, I mean, there's always been, uh, I mean, if you paid these people right, you, they would, it would not have been the kind of rotating doors that you have. And we have a lot of professions like that. What's so special about now that, um, and, and, and I, I, let me, let me digress. I have a partial answer, uh, but what do you see special with now where we are empowering workers to actually sit back and demand what they're worth? Well, again, I, I think, you know, it's funny because every time our government tries to manipulate supply and demand, they ended up they end up kind of messing it up in some way. So for, this is my opinion. So if, if you think about if, if you think about the, the, just take the pandemic. Yes. The pandemic, in my mind, kind of made everybody um, uh, a kind of stay at home, work on my house, work on my yard, um, live locally, celebrate locally. Um, recreate locally. And that put an enormous amount of pressure on an already pressurized system. But what I think it did is it got people to realize, you know, I don't need to spend my life in a minivan anymore. I, I can stay at home and have a great time with my family. And that caused a whole lot of home improvement things to happen, maintaining, repairing, fixing, replacing, whatever. So I think it just put a whole lot of pressure on those people who are already doing it and, and having them understand, wow, I can raise my prices. I, I can um, I can control my own input, my own output. I can control my revenue. So it's very quietly becoming the thing to do because plumbers are making you know six figures now, where before that wasn't the case. And I just think we have to get out of this stigma of you know I was at a party the other day and there was parents hanging around and well, my daughter's going to this college and my son's going to that college. And one said, well, what about what's her name's son? Well, you know, he's just going to be a plumber. And I'm like, wait a minute, just going to be a plumber. <laughs> I need to tell you what that means because once you understand it, you're going to go, holy cow, 
why wasn't I thinking that way? So it, it's just a, it's just kind of a, an awareness thing I think we need to fix. You know, it's amazing because the return on investment on that plumber is going to be pretty huge compared to the return on investment of a, of a doctor and what the doctor has to make to make. My, my daughter is in med school and she's going to have probably near $500,000 worth in debt, even though I paid her entire her entire sure. uh, undergrad. It's amazing. But, yeah. um, you know, so the return on investment, but um, uh, based on a little tonality that I hear, heard there about your, your um, maybe a little bit of abstention from the government. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to posit something and then hear your response. Okay. Um, the pandemic gave a lot of people, as you said, the opportunity to stay home, but it was not only the opportunity to stay home, but given that we needed them home, they were paid to stay home, which means they had time to ponder. And in having that time to ponder, they had the flexibility, which inherently created shortages and choice. Um, so I may, I may take a little bit of exception when you say the government in some cases screw things up. I agree that the government can screw things up, I think in a lot of the way the welfare system was set up, especially for how minorities, what, it, what I think it has done with a lot of families, no, I shouldn't say minorities, but a lot of families because of structure, um, I think that's been problematic. But also I think there was a little bit of freedom given to people right now to effectuate exactly what you're talking about, don't you think? Well, well, sure. I mean, if, if you just, if you drive from my office where I'm standing right now to the, to the freeway, which is only a couple miles, there's probably 50 help wanted signs. Right. And, and, and they used to be just subtle, a little help wanted sign in the window. Now they're screaming with flags and, you know, all kinds of stuff to get in your face as you're driving by. Come work for us. So, again, I, I do think people took the time and they were able to. They were able to afford to take the time. That's if, magic. That's yeah. the magic. Of, uh, yeah. They could afford to take the time because they had that support. Right. And, and I'm all for um, job shopping to get exactly what you want, because at the end of the day, we all want to do something that we're hopefully somewhat passionate about. But that's not even going to matter if, like I talk about in the book, if you don't have a real clear vision for what you want your life to look like. And I think that's where we fail our kids as well, is we tell them we live through a world of if then if you go to school, if you get good grades, if you get a scholarship degree, if you get a job, then you'll make some money and then you'll be happy. That's that's backwards to me. I think we need to start out with what does your then look like? And then let's find a way to get there, no matter what path you take to do that. You know, um, I think that is uh, some of the best advice from uh, that, I've, that I've heard, because I believe that wholeheartedly based on Personally, that's what sure. I'm doing right now. I left a, a, my own software company to go into political activism, which is something that where I wanted to be, what I enjoy doing. And it was a matter of how could I readjust my life to, to be able to do this on much less. So, I mean, that, mm -hmm. I, I think in, in, in a, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And it's all about ultimately... Uh, happiness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, look, let me tell you, I, I'm, I'm recommending uh, that folks go out there and get your book. I really love what you have to say about um, really going out there and not, that last statement that you made is, I think, the most important one of them all. Not the if-thens, 
but where you want to be and what it takes to get there. I think that sure. is so I think that is so important. Now, uh, the last question I always ask people, so prepare yourself, okay. is what would you have liked me to ask you that you want to get out there for everybody to know, not only about you, but about what we need to do? Well, I, I, think, I think this way. It, it, it seems to me that um, when, it, when it comes to uh, our kids, I think that we need to get them to understand that they are a heck of a lot in, more in control of their life than they think they are. Okay, they have all these amazing options. They have all these amazing possibilities. If they just step back a second and get off of the the corral of I've got to do this or else. And I'm not an anti-college guy. I mean, if you're going to operate on my shoulder or if you're going to engineer a building or if you're going to teach people or you're going to manage money, I get that. You need to know everything there is to know. But to just to you know blindly put everybody through there, I think is 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 a challenge. So if if kids are that, yeah, I, I can control my input, my output. I can control my revenue. I can control what I want my life to look like. They're going to lead much happier lives. And, and that's kind of what I've dedicated myself to do. You know, I wrote this book, not for the money, because I've been blessed already. Um, and I believe that to whom much is expected or much is given, much is expected. So I donate all the proceeds of my book to kids groups to try to get this message out there. And, and I just hope people take advantage of it. Well, let me tell you something, uh, Mr. Rusk, uh, for somebody who worked themselves up, who really what it took to get there, as opposed to somebody who was given something or somebody who took something from somebody else to make it big, you have my respect. Ken Rusk, a blue collar business entrepreneur and author of Blue Collar Cash, love your work, secure your future and find happiness for life. Go get the book. Thank you so kindly for having been here on Politics Done Right. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We okay, folks, I hope you like that. As usual, I forgot to do my ask. Please remember to click that. If you're on YouTube, please click the join button to become a part of our PDR Posse. The PDR Posse, make sure that we continue to get the right information out, the correct information out, the progressive information out, making people learn the truth as opposed to the lies that are that that defines what the right is all about. And that, that I'm not saying anything most of you don't know, including those on the right. The only thing that can make those policies look correct is lying. That's why we have so many people doing what? Dying. Please click on that join button, become a part of our PDR passes support our mission, please. We work hard to make sure and get the message out. Alternatively, you can go to politicsunright.com slash support, politicsunright.com slash support to go ahead and support us. You can also go to uh, politicsunright.com slash books to get our books. And I guarantee you a lot of what uh, what uh, Ken Russ talk about uh, specifically in, in uh, on there, there are instances or or particulars that you'll get in our in many of our books so please check out our books uh, repertoire at politicsandright.com slash books that i just put out there and get our t-shirts and if you want to buy our books directly from us instead of from amazon you can go to politicsandright.com store and we'll also give you a bumper sticker and sign all of your books if it's purchased directly from us look i um I want to, Rose wanted me to say something because I only read her last message and I should have read it from the top. It goes as follows. 
All it would have taken to defeat COVID would have been a commitment to self-quarantine for two to three weeks and let it burn out. We didn't do that and let it spread uncontrolled, so there is no mystery to what is happening now. Exactly, and those who have done it, Australia, New Zealand, and it works. Whenever they find a little breakout, they freeze everything for a, a, a few weeks, and they're back in business, and everybody, they don't even need masks. New viruses are continuously arising without any bad actors necessary. Global warming and human encroachment on previously wild areas are causing this. Exactly right. Smart people in my room. Now that we have shown the world how foolish, inept, and gullible we are when faced with a deadly disease, we definitely have handed bad actors an easier way to get to us. They don't need any bombs to get to us. Just bring a virus in because our people would be too silly to do what's necessary to get rid of them. Okay, before I close out, let me go again. You guys had a lot of messages here, so I'm scrolling back up to see some of them that are pertinent. Uh, we have Charlie Lindahl is talking about the maker movement. Charlie loves the maker movement. It's a great movement. Uh, Charlie, sometime we are going to have you on an interview, just you and I on an interview to express that, just like we had uh, Brother um, Rogue there, so uh, Rusk there. So we, we'll do an interview with you to cover that particular issue. Rose says that she, a local company called Albright Electric, the owner sounds like Rusk. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Rudnan says top five blue collar jobs Elevator installer, plant operator, system operator, powerhouse, substation and relay technician A lot of good blue collar jobs Welcome Jessica Taylor, uh, C. Johnson, welcome aboard Courtney, the SLP, welcome aboard Trades are pertinent, the education system is a money game We go to school to get jobs Come out with an, an ability to gain employment in a field that obtained And that's why I talk about free college, right? Because they want If they want a college education so that the stockholders can make money, then they should pay for it. They used to, you know, when they used to pay the taxes, but they don't anymore. C. Johnson says, also, when corporations pay for research, so we create people good at getting money more than people with great ideas. Interesting. Carl Cox, when the stock market goes up, most of the money paid dividends go to the mega rich. If the stock market goes down, the mega rich don't lose money. It happened during the Great Depression. Uh, yeah, you know, they, they buy colors. They buy, you know, they, again, the system is rigged. And that's why I said, what is the name of my book again? Name of the book. Take away the, uh, how to make America utopia. Take away the economy from those who rigged it. And that's the whole idea. Take it away from those who rigged it. Uh, let's see, Rose Williams says, we have another really good plumbing company, veteran-owned in, in Right Plumbing. Oh, you've been in advertising for them. Go for it. Go for it. I like good people all around. Minimum wage should be $25. Exactly, Courtney. If you, if you go by productivity and inflation, it should be more than $25. Uh, let's see. Let's see what else we got here. Daniel Ledo, this is hilarious. As conservatives have been pushing to have people look at blue-collar Jobs, instead of going into debt for a useless college degree, as, as Mr. Rusk pointed out, all college degrees are not useless. And what we're saying is those who want to go to college should be able to go to college, and we should be able to give those who need to trade a trade as well. I mean, it's not an either or an or. It's, a e, it's both. Carl Cox, Egberto loves America. Exactly, Carl. Thank you, my brother. TJ hates America. Based on what he says, it's obvious. Paying a living wage is not communism, not paying a living wage. You know, it's amazing how the right has taught their pew to believe so much less of themselves. 
or to believe that they did de- that they deserve so little as those who make it make it knowing so little or doing so little it's amazing and that is what i call insanity right and at at, at, t- at a time i was myself insane i thought the stockbroker was somebody special who deserved it not realizing he's nothing but a parasite think about it think about the definition of a parasite and you see what I'm talking about. Uh, continuing, I'm, I got to get out of here in a, in a minute. I got to go interview Mitsunsun. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Michael, Michael said, leftists have been pushing to force the rest of us to pay for free college. Oh, boy. Sometimes I think many people choose to misinform. Pamela Seidelman. No, they don't have COVID. Please look at the uh, – we'll look, look around. I, I, I'll take a look at that later, Pamela. Uh, I got to run through these real quickly. Okay, we got to get out of here. Look, folks, I know you. there are many places you can be and you're here with me. Thank you so kindly for spending this time with me. Please support us. Please click that join button on YouTube. Please make sure that we can continue doing what we're doing. Alternatively, you can support us by going to politicsunright.com slash support, politicsunright.com slash support. And that has several different ways in which you can provide us with support to make sure we can continue doing this good work. And get our books, please. Politicsandright.com slash books. Politicsandright.com slash books. My name is Egberto Willies. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Oh! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.